Next question we asked in our series is, how do we pray for others? And um, we're going to answer this question with some of the scriptures that we wrote up there. <clears throat> how do we pray for others? Let's look at the example of Jesus in John chapter 17. You can participate tonight by help reading through some of these verses here. But let's take a look at John 17, verse 6. Can someone start that for us? In verse 9. all, we see Jesus is making a distinction here. Jesus prays. Who does he pray for? All right. For his believers. All right, let's look at some of the things he prays for, for them. Um, verse 14. Fifteen. All right. He prays for what? Who is that? Who's that? Satan. Okay. So he prays for protection from evil. For protection from the evil one. All right. So. Um, and then verse 24, can someone read that? That I desire, that's his request, that's his prayer. I desire that they be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me. So what is he praying for there? In your own words, what would you say? Follow him where? In heaven, okay? He's praying that they will be with him in heaven. That's where he's going to reveal all of his glory, isn't it? All of his glory hasn't been revealed yet, but it will be revealed in heaven. So he prays for his believers, for their protection, protection from evil, praying for, you could say, the culmination or the completion of their salvation. Um, and I, I'm kind of listing it this way. He's praying um, for the fulfillment of their hope. Um, they have a hope. It's in him and that that hope will be fulfilled. All right? Um, so he's praying for believers that way. Let's look at another passage. This is a very short one, Romans 10.1. Some, one person can turn there, and another person can turn to these in Ephesians. We have two in Ephesians. Can you read that from where you are? Ephesians 1, 16 through 19, and 3, 14 through 19. So we have three sections, and we'll be reading those. Let's go to the Romans 10, 1 first. If you know the context of Romans 10, the them 
is who? Israel. He's praying for his own people. All right? Um, take a guess, saved or unsaved? Unsaved. In that whole context, he's talking about them not following God's plan. In fact, um, um, being elect as a people, but not elect spiritually. Um, they don't believe. He's pr so Jesus is praying here for believers. Um, Paul here is praying for unbelievers. And of course, what is he praying for them? What is his desire that they might be saved? I know these are simplistic answers, but they're important answers. He's praying for their salvation. What's more important for an unbeliever? What could possibly be more important than their salvation? Right? There's nothing. There's nothing more important than their salvation. That's what Paul is praying for. Let's take a look then at Ephesians and a couple um, verses there. We might pause as we go through those sections. The first section is Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. Whoever has that can begin reading. Hold on. We're in Ephesians 1, 16. Patty, you want to go ahead? You have that? Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. There's a lot there, but let's just pick out and see if we can get the, the, the main point. We know it's, it's a prayer. He says in verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he shares briefly with them what he's praying for. All right. Let me read this phrase, and you tell me what he's praying for. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Hmm? No. Well, it includes salvation, but how? wisdom and knowledge. The spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him. Okay? So... Um, give you more wisdom open your eyes he says in that in the next verse having the eyes of your hearts enlightened I know it's, it's kind of tricky when he uses these two, two analogies or metaphors eyes and then hearts but it's the same thing isn't it he's praying that <laughs> you could say the eye of their heart be open what's their heart it's not the thing that pumps blood it's, 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 it's their the essence of them, the inner of them, or their being, or, or their, you could say their mind is included in that, their thinking, um, that their understanding, that's all included. So he's praying for wisdom and uh, enlightenment or understanding. And what understanding of something particular, verse 18, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. All right? So we see the hope. And another phrase in there is the riches, the riches of his it, glorious inheritance in the saints. And then the third thing in verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? So you can look at um, hope, riches, and power. 
he is praying for for believers there okay um so if you, if you narrow that down he's praying for the maturity of believers right that mat- believers will grow in christ and come and understand who he is and what he has what he has done for them right that's kind of a simplistic uh way of saying that let's go to the next one in in chapter 3 verses 14 through 19 ephesians 3 14 through 19 There's a lot there too, but we can do. We do see he's praying for believers. I bow my knees before the Father. He's speaking to believers in in this in this whole letter, isn't he? Talking to the believers at at Ephesus that they will grow. And again, this if you narrow this down, that they will grow in in, in they will progress and grow in their relationship with Christ. Um, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Um, that you be rooted and grounded in love, verse 17. You'd have the strength to comprehend uh, what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ. So that, what is he saying there? That we would take in more and more of the love of Christ, an appreciation for who he is, what he has done for us, right? And so... How do, how do we pray for others? How do we pray? Basically, the first question, who do we pray for? We see that Jesus prayed for believers. We see Paul pray for both believers and unbelievers. And just summarize that for me. What's our main understanding or what's our main goal as we pray for unbelievers? Their salvation, right? Um, several things we can pray for believers, um, but According to these verses, what, what are some of the things, uh, what are the key things that Paul would pray for believers? Wisdom and knowledge, okay. What would that mean? What would that speak to? What's the, what's the broad category there? Okay. For their growth, for their development, for their um, understanding of who Christ is, and then living that out. We have some other verses that I won't get to today, um, but we'll go through them uh, for next time. Um, so in a very simplistic way that we would live out, we would grow, we would mature um, in our walk with Christ. Now, as we, th- as we think of others, we can see some specific areas that that might be appropriate uh, for them. But that's, that is a, a very good, um, gives us a very good sense of how our prayers ought to be focused. Let me counter that with, with some things that we often pray for um, that may not even be, maybe you can think of some things we pray for that may not even be in those categories. Any of them, believers or unbelievers. Health. We'll talk about that next time. There, that is a legitimate category. What else? Finances. Okay. Yep, yep. Now, remember last time we asked this question, should I pray for trivial things or huge big things? And what was the answer to that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both, right? 
<laughs> okay, so I'm not, I don't want to try to say that we shouldn't be praying for, for anything else for unbelievers or even for believers. But what we should be seeing is how those things fit into this category. In other words, how does that, how does them getting a job, how does that glorify God? How does that work towards their maturity, their health? And they're, they're going through some health issues. How does that, what does that say, or how does that, how is that related to their spiritual walk with Christ, their maturity or knowing more of Christ, learning more of him, experiencing more of his power? How does that relate? My point is, is that we ought to be relating those things into some of these categories that, that, that Paul is showing us here. We ought to be saying, as, as this believer deals with sickness, help him to rely on God. Help him to appreciate what God has done. Help him to show that in his life as a testimony to others. That's, that'd be one way of relating that maturity and walk with Christ to his daily experiences. Helping him see that in his in his, in his, in his uh, help him see God's goal of maturity in his daily walk. Question, comment? I think I can help. I think I can help relate that. Isn't that saying God? Yeah, but it's also saying, Lord, I'm asking you for every step of my life for your help and for your guidance, okay? I'm not gonna go and do this measure. I had trouble with my truck this, this week and uh, go to get it fixed and you pay money and it's still messed up and, and you say, oh Lord, why not waste my money on that? Um, what we're saying is, Lord, I rely on you for even the mundane things of life, okay? And that's where my Christian walk is. I'm mature enough I'm, as I mature, Lord, I'm realizing that I need you for everything, and I acknowledge you in everything. So, yes. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, I guess our point is that can be trivial, and we can treat it in trivial ways where we'd be wrong to do that. When we are praying, we should be acknowledging that even the trivial things we acknowledge that as we approach this, we come from the perspective of I belong to God and everything about me, I relate to his strength, his power, his enabling, his doing, and his will in my life. So we, we want to practice that. And that's one of the purposes of prayer is to help us practice that in our lives. One of the ways that we can do that is to think through that process of how does my problem with squirrels in my house relate to my reliance on God? Think through that and, and ask that question so that I might be thinking. We want to acknowledge that as we walk in our day-to-day -day lives. Acknowledge that. Lord, I'm tired today. Help me to keep my focus so I don't have an accident as I drive here. I rely on you for my everyday living. Okay, I know I drank that coffee, drank Mountain Dew. It's got caffeine in it. But no, I'm relying on you, Lord, because, you know, unless you save the house, unless you're watching over this body, caffeine and coffee 
don't do the trick. All right. So let's, let's pause there. Brian, when you come for our meditation time. Good evening, saints. Continuing in our meditations through the book of Hebrews. Chapter 10, you move on from the understanding and the knowledge, and you start to get into the application. We learn all these great truths in the first 10 chapters of the book. It teaches us about who Jesus is. If you want to battle a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, Hebrews chapter 1 is one of the best chapters that you can go to on top of John 1, but Hebrews 1 talks about the preeminence of Jesus Christ and it keeps on talking about Jesus how Jesus is first Jesus is better than Moses Jesus is better than the law Jesus is better than the priest and what did he do one of the keys of the book of Hebrews is and unlocks for us you could almost put it as a the book that connects the Old Testament and the New Testament together so it's teaching us all these things if somebody asks you top of the book of Romans, it's Hebrews that tells us, how do we understand the law now in our age? How do we use the Old Testament now in our age? What do all these thou shalt and thou shalt nots have to do with anything? The book of Hebrews gives us that key, but then it starts to break it down for how we ought to live today, and that's what the rest of the book is starting to get into. But it's important to note that all doctrinal books are like this they all start with what we must know and then what we must do so it's important for us not to neglect either part we read through a little bit of Ephesians and Ephesians is, is a cool book because you can basically divide it by the chapters Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 are our understanding and 4, 5, and 6 are what we must do that we might know the breadth and the width and the depth of the love of God, right? Chapters 1 through 3, but chapter 4, that we might obey God, that we would abstain from lust, that everyone be wise and understand what the will of God is, that we as husbands will love our wives, that our wives will submit to the husbands, those hard issues where the scripture hits life. And so we see in Hebrews Chapter 10, starting at verse 32, Scripture hits life. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. 
But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The meditation is really clear because he's talking to people who are struggling, people who are going through difficult times. And scripture is usually not written to people who are having good. normally not written to people who have everything going smooth and peaceful. Every book is written for a reason. It's written to address something. So there's always an issue. And that's how it is in our lives. Our lives is not like a TV show where you get to the end of season 8 and everything is resolved. There's never an end to the issues. It can always be a new issue. And so sometimes we have to remember and we have to think back and he's telling us think back when you first got saved, what happened? What happens when you get saved? And a lot of people think when they get saved that life is going to change for the better. And I have to tell you, that's never been an experience that I've seen when people get saved. I've noticed that when people make a decision for Jesus, things remarkably get worse right away. It almost always happens. And what happens is like the parable of the seeds. Where the cares of the world, if you're not careful, can choke out a person right away. I've seen it happen repeatedly. People who came up and you see them change their life around and then next thing you know, their friends don't like them. Their mom don't like them. This and this happens. Somebody gets sick. Somebody dies. Somebody gets murdered. We've seen murders happen in our church right after somebody got saved. You think that's an accident? No, that's Satan trying to bring hardship on you. But also, that's the Lord bringing hardship on you. See, because Satan cannot do what God does not allow. So let's think of it from two different perspectives. Why does Satan bring hardship on us? Let's meditate on that. Why does Satan bring hardship on us? Isn't it to frighten us? Isn't it to make us weary? Isn't it to make us give up? But then why does God bring hardship on us? Isn't it to toughen us? Isn't it to prove that he is first? Isn't it to prove that he could bring us through all things? See, it's not like it is when you go to some of these churches and you say you can hoop and holler and you go home richer. That's not how it is. You might be praising and you might be crying. And he's telling people who went through tough things, he's saying, hey, don't give up now. He says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. But the things that he talks about are very practical. What is he talking about? He's not just talking about some thoughts. He's talking about their giving. He's talking about their attendance. He's talking about their support of the ministry, those three things. Look, where do you see giving? He says, you allowed the plundering of your property, right? Sometimes when we hear a good sermon, we are led to give, and that's a good thing. But other times we regret the giving because we see the debts and the bills that we have to come. And sometimes we walk by somebody else that's in the church, and we know they're not giving to the degree we're giving, and we resent them for that. And that's a hardship. Because you got to think to yourself, this group here is faithful on Wednesday night. We're normally the most faithful group. You got to wonder why everybody else is not.
That's the stuff we have to fight through. I've been realizing this more and more that the church is not going to grow by me doubling my efforts or you doubling your efforts. The church is going to grow as we have faith that God will add others to us who will do more. Because I can only double my effort for a limited amount of time and then I will get tired. It doesn't matter what it is. What we need is those people who are not as faithful to become more faithful. And those who are not faithful at all to become faithful. And those who don't even believe to believe. What we need is to transition people from those camps on the outside to being in the inside. That's growth. I think we as faithful people, we tend to beat ourselves up a little bit too much. And I'm not saying we can't do more, we can't improve, but the church is not going to improve by you killing yourself to make the church grow. The church is going to grow as we say to ourselves, you know what, I could do an A+, but I can't do an A+, eight different things. I can only do five. And I'm going to let this other person who needs to grow in the Lord do his B minus or his C plus. It's not going to be as good as what I could do. And that's okay because God is going to use them. He's going to use that C plus and that B minus to grow that person to where they can do an A plus. But in the meantime, we're going to have to trust in God's growth and his purpose. Isn't that what we pray for? Paul prays for the growth. I think all those things, knowledge and wisdom, what he's talking about is growth. I think what we need to pray for is growth. Let's pray for growth. And growth sometimes is taking your hands off. Growth is sometimes not being a helicopter parent, right? We want to watch over all these believers. We want to drive them to church. We want to do this for them. We want to do that. Well, now nah, we got to let go. Hey, bud, you got to figure that out. I'm here to help you, but I can't do it for you. Do you have the ability to get to church on your own? Then get to church on your own because I got somebody else to get. Do you have the understanding that you can understand scripture on your own? Okay, you can't call me every day now because I got other people that I need to call. You must grow so that we must grow. And we all have to grow. We have need of endurance so that when we have done the will of God, we can receive what's promised. I believe that God promises his church will grow. And I believe that that's a specific promise to this church that we must grow. But we must endure. So let's endure, amen. Piggyback a little bit on pastor's part. By show of hands, who has an unsaved family member or friend that they know? Jeremy ain't got none. <laughs> um, so, I saw lots of hands, so I should have no problem getting people to pray tonight. Um, we'll just have two people pray today, and then I'll close. Um, what I'm going to ask is, 
keep your prayer general, but let's just lift up those people that are friends and family members that are unsaved and that God does a work in their lives. Um, I know I can speak for myself is like when I think of my brother, my older brother who's not saved, it makes me sad sometimes to think that um, his, right now, his eternal, um, his eternal life post this world is, is going to be in hell. And sometimes, you know, I got to explain that to my kids because they, they just, to them, they don't understand how someone could not believe in Christ, which is a really cool thing, but it's kind of, it's kind of hard for their little minds to wrap around it. And it's really sad to think that they're like, they know that their uncle is someone that is on his way to hell and he does not believe in God. So um, I know it's hard. It's hard to think about it and it's kind of sad, saddens me sometimes. So um, let's just have a couple people pray and lift those unsaved family members and friends up. We just continue in prayer, just lifting up um, family and friends that are not saved. Um, we know we are walking the narrow path and that the wide path is what the rest of the world is on and that not many of us will be walking that path. But we ask that um, you do do a work in the lives of those that we love, that you change their hearts, that you open their eyes um, to their need for you. Um, we know you are the only one that can open their eyes and remove that blinder and just show them their need for you and um, change their heart. We ask that you do that. We ask that you use each and every one of us to be a light to you, to help point that person in the right direction, to be able to be used as an instrument to minister to those people and to continue to show them um, what a Christian life is like and what it is like to have a relationship with you. And then we ask that you just do that mighty work through all your people. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, as we go to request um i want to take what we prayed about then one step further too as you break off with your prayer partner give a minimum of one, the name of one person that they can pray for as that's unsaved person so we'll kind of do it as a more personal level with that person that you as a family member or friend now we can go into prayer requests i'll start it off i got one um the last i'll probably say week or so my health has been under attack. <laughs> it seems like I get over one thing and I got another thing, and then I got another thing, and I got another thing. So just continue to pray for my health as it's just beating me down lately. So it's been tough, but just continue to pray for me.